0: Welcome everyone to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. I'm your host Chad Sanderson. Today we're talking about outbound marketing, the mystery and myth of how to make your outbound marketing more effective than you, than it is today. To help us we have with us Mark Colgan, CEO of Speak on Podcasts. Mark, thank you so much for taking time and welcome to the show.
1: Hey Chad, thank you so much for inviting me on. I'm really looking forward to it.
0: So we always like to ask a question just to get to know you a little bit better and I'm uh, intensely interested in things that you're passionate about that those that only know you through work might be surprised to learn about you.
1: Yeah, I think I I probably wouldn't say passionate but I would love a, I love a prank. You know, pranking people, tricking people. <laughs> I absolutely love it. I, I find it so satisfying and it's only me that, that finds it funny as well. <laughs> and I, I think, uh, the, my, my colleagues at work, they, they see the more serious side of me, not the prankster side. So, uh, yeah, I think they'd be surprised to hear that.
0: And so what's the best prank you've ever pulled?
1: well the the best I've ever pulled is I fooled London into thinking that there was going to be a cafe opening up where you could pet live foxes Um, (laughs) that's a true story and I had over 5,000 people signed up to the waiting list and it was covered in Time Out London, The Times um, Ask Men, Huffington Post, it went viral
0: Uh, that is (laughs) awesome Uh, and what happened when people found out they weren't going to get to pet foxes
1: well, I didn't take any money. I was very, very careful to, uh, to, to not take any money. So um, I just had to write a press release after the RSPCA and PETA were threatening, <laughs> <laughs> sending a lot of threats to me. And yeah, I had to pull the plug on it. I think everybody understood. I,
0: I hope so. I hope so. That's a great one. I love it. All right. So in your prep materials, there was something that caught my attention and just kind of resonated with me. And there was a phrase. Think like an SDR with your outbound marketing. And I'm really curious to hear you unpack that for the audience.
1: Sure. So I think just before I unpack this, um, the, the context here is that I started my career in sales. I then moved into marketing. And now I work in almost a revenue leader role. So I've been there at the coalface for both of those uh, roles. And I coach sales reps at the moment via the Sales Impact Academy. And I teach them about outbound prospecting, which is why I talk so much about the topic. And One of the things that you have to be when you're an SDR is just absolutely fearless and have the tenacity to keep going and keep going. You have to do your research. You have to clean that research. You have to reach out and start conversations, oftentimes very, very cold, and start those conversations to book meetings for the rest of your team. Oh, for your account executive, sorry. And I think if more marketers had that attitude of just having that tenacity to go out there and speak to people, because essentially we're starting conversations, that's what we want to do, whether we're marketing or whether we're selling. I think that the, there would be a lot more marketers that would be more successful in contributing to that revenue number that we're all trying to achieve.
0: Well, and I I think that's a very important point, right? Because a lot of people will think, hey, marketing content and or campaigns and or efforts have a tendency to come cyclically or in fits and starts rather than some type of consistent engine pumping that it should be much like an SDR. An SDR, I mean, unfortunately, that's one of the tough jobs because they live in a world of rejection every day. And so to have that fearlessness that you talk about and understand that what people are responding to isn't necessarily them as a person but the unexpected interruption that is happening in their life. Nobody likes to be interrupted, but to be able to push through that and focus on something of of value and impact or, or helps that person solve problems becomes critical. It's a very interesting kind of perspective and lens with through which to look at outbound marketing. The question becomes then how do you have a team or work with a team to have them scale content distribution so it is consistent and in line with other sales activities?
1: Yeah, sure. So I think when it comes to content distribution, we're now we're living in a time where you can go on LinkedIn. And if you understand who your ideal customer profile is, and who your buyer persona are, you can very easily identify 50 people, let's say, in a list. And all you need to do is connect with them on LinkedIn and send them a message. That is essentially outbound marketing. And if you've, if you've created a piece of content, you can use that content as the reason that you're reaching out. Now, I wouldn't recommend just sending a link to a gated piece of content. So (laughs) a piece of content behind the form. Um, What I would recommend that you do is you reach out and say, Hi, Chad, I see that you are such and such. And we've put together some content about XYZ being pain points that you are likely going to be facing. Thought you might find it interested. Would you like me to send it across to you? And that's all you need to do. And for when I say it like that in a couple of sentences, it sounds too simple, but it really, really is that simple. Well, I mean, most people have a tendency to
0: overthink things. Right? At the end of the mm-hmm. day, that w- we get in our own way. I mean, I've seen m- numerous SDR teams get in their own way of what do I send? Why, why aren't they responding to me talking about myself? It's kind of like, hey, <laughs> nobody likes to hang out with that person at the party that only talks about themselves. You need to be able to show them something that's going to be valuable to them. Marketing, I think, is better positioned to do that. The SDR, yeah. that disconnect between The marketing focusing on, hey, we can solve these problems, and SDR is trying to start a conversation, there's a bit of a gap there. And so I'm curious, when you think about outbound marketing, that email example that you said, hey, we just came up with this, thought you might find it interesting. Is that something that you have or would recommend a marketing team send or something that marketing equip more of an SDR outbound team to send?
1: It really does depend on, on the setup that you, you have at your company because you could be a small business which doesn't have these separate teams and you're a, a jack-of-all-trades marketer or you could be a larger company with a, a, a self-sufficient STR team with account executives. but <laughs> um, So yeah, it, it really it really does depend. Um, I think what, it's, what it really comes down to is coordination, making sure that you're not sending the same message out or not sending any messages out at all. So whatever you do, just make sure that sales and marketing are synced up. And that's why it's so important. Important to have that alignment. And so then
0: okay, so we've got now we've got outbound marketing we've got content we've created, we're sending it out whether that be you know, whatever channel we're sending it through. what about attribution? A lot of people are asking you know hey, I'm investing in the creation of this content or these campaigns or, or these thought leadership pieces, but I can't really draw a line to how that's impacting my, my top or bottom line in the business. How do you recommend people think about or approach the attribution of, of this type of outbound marketing?
1: Yeah. And and Chad, this has been something that's kept me up at night for many, many years <laughs> as as a marketer. Um, when When it's pure outbound sales and you've called somebody cold from a list and they haven't been existing in your crm before then it's it's very clear where the attribution came from it's generated by outbound activity when it comes to to marketing the only solution that i've come up with and i've i've tested out some of the well-known data uh, uh, well-known software is out there is a spreadsheet and just sitting down and looking at every deal and going What did I do to this person? Um, How did I get them? How did I get them? And, and, you know, I've sat there before with my sales team and um, uh, not a sales team that I managed. I worked alongside them. And I'd say, Lucy, this deal... What? Where did they come from? And and Lucy might say, "Well, I self generated it," and and then I look back into our HubSpot into CRM which we were using at the time, and I can see that they downloaded a report, and I was like, "Okay, it wasn't self generated," <laughs> but I can see why you've put it as self generated. But really, there there are so many factors that influence a, a buyer, the buyer's journey, especially in twenty twenty one that. There isn't a clear-cut way of attributing it, but you should have an understanding what that first touch is. You should understand what the last touch is. And those two can be quite a lot easier to determine and understand. It's the very messy and misty bit in the middle which can be challenging. And sometimes just a pair of eyes and a lot of hours spent going through it can really get that answer to give you the understanding. I love it. And so one of
0: our guests that
1: I was talking to, I can't remember if it
0: was earlier this week or last week, started talking about uh, tofu, mofu, bofu, top of funnel, middle of funnel, uh, bottom of funnel and how how content has to evolve or target differently based on the journey, you mentioned the buyer's journey that they're going through. And I'm curious when you're working with teams or or suggest outbound marketers think about this, do you segment kind of the types of content that they should be uh, getting or receiving based on where they are in their journey? And how, how detailed do you get with that?
1: Uh, So I've got quite a controversial opinion that isn't really backed up by too many facts, Chad. Um, (laughs) But, but mainly by gut feeling. (laughs) Mainly by gut feeling, and 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 it just seems to work. So uh, I focus on creating content around um, the bottom of the funnel first. So I do make sure that I've got my table stakes of my marketing sorted. I have a well-presented website. It has some social proof and testimonials and case studies. Yes, I might have a comparison page depending on how competitive my market and landscape is, but that would be my table stakes. Once I've got that sorted, I then just think, what would be the most valuable piece of content I can create for my prospect? And then that's what I start with. So I was working with a HR tech company. Um, I won't name, I'm sure they wouldn't be too happy if I name who they are. <laughs> there are um, dozens of steps in the employee life cycle that you could create content for so whether that's employee recruitment onboarding the employee retaining the employee offboarding the employee this software company does one of those steps doesn't doesn't manage the whole cycle and they're they're selling to HR uh, directors so when you've got very very heavily funded competitors in that space, all creating content about the same kind of steps, whether it be employee onboarding or employee retention, you're going to have to compete with them. And sometimes I say to people, don't poke the bear, especially when it comes to paid ads too. (laughs) Um, Don't start bidding on your competitors' keywords because as soon as they notice it, they can blow you out of the water if, if you don't have deep enough pockets. But what we focused on creating content on instead was what did the HR directors need? Where are they lacking? What support do they need? And what we did, Chad, is we had a look at job descriptions of HR directors and we've been looking at them on a regular basis and working out what is the similarities in terms of the responsibilities being asked for for these individuals. And it wasn't just the you'll be responsible for A or B. It was more like you need to become the domain expert you need to keep the, the 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 company abreast of changes in regulations. And we just saw that no one was really creating content around those topics. Everybody was focused on the product, the product, the product. So we ended up creating some content um, around the uh, helping the HR directors be better directors. And it's been successful so far. And we, we've started a lot more conversations with people than we would have done had we traditionally put out a piece on, let's just say, employee offboarding, for example, because it's just there's so many other people doing it. And I think, our <laughs> I think our prospects are aware of that as well. So why not create some content which is actually valuable? And like I said, don't ignore the table stakes. Make sure you have got your foundations sorted. But, you know, if you're churning out piece, uh, several pieces of content a month or a week, I don't, don't know how big your team is, just experiment. Try, try doing something completely off the cuff that's actually going to be valuable. But don't look at any keyword analysis. And just uh, see if that resonates with the customer more than your heavily keyword researched content does
0: and, and i 'm I'm with you one hundred percent i have a I have a tendency to believe that people overthink the analytics of oh did this piece contribute to this percentage of movement through the funnel and and i have I, I kind of feel like they get lost in the data and it removes mm-hmm. the the humanity from it whereas outbound marketing. From my perspective, it needs to be something that helps introduce you to, to the people that you're working with, your brand, your culture, what they're going to expect. But it also needs to provide them value. It needs to be couched in providing them value mm-hmm. or something that's going to be important to them. So when you talk about not looking at the keyword analysis, what are the other top three things you feel are critical for outbound marketers today?
1: So one of the reasons I go back to the the first question, Chad, about being like an SDR, as an SDR, you actually get to speak to your prospects every day, several times a day. Yes, you're right, Chad. A lot of those calls aren't 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 positive. <laughs> uh, you do develop very thick skin. I think it sets you up for life. It really, really does. But you you get to learn. You get to learn a lot. You get to have so many conversations with very dynamic individuals in most cases. And if you are good at being a sponge and absorbing that information and collating it to see what the patterns are. You can start to really get a very good understanding of your customers and also you can start to ask questions in a very smart way that makes you seem smarter than what you really are because you're just asking the right question. Um, It's how I kind of fluffed my way through the beginning of my career. Um, and when it, taking that back to marketers, I think one of the key critical factors for outbound marketers is that they just have to know their customer. If you're not speaking to your customers or your prospects on a regular basis, you really need to. If you're not reviewing job descriptions of your buyer personas, you really need to be doing that. For example, two years ago, the requirement of helping a company navigate the return to work policy wouldn't have been an issue because COVID hadn't existed. If you're thinking of marketers, social media marketers, TikTok wasn't a thing four <laughs> years ago, but, but things change. And, and it's very easy to see that and understand that in marketing, but it does also happen in, in, other, uh, in, in, in other roles like facilities management, HR, finance and accounting. There are always things changing. And, and as a marketer, it's your job to know that stuff, even if you have to learn it outside of your nine to five. And I think that goes on to my second point, which is critical, which is invest in your learning in your market. If there's one thing that I've always felt confident in, it's the market that I've been operating in, whether that be... Uh, building data centers. Uh, I had no idea what went into a data center to begin with, but (laughs) a few months later, I knew the difference between racks and the different types of racks and different types of air cooling. Like just really get invested in that space. It's okay that you're not going to work there, likely for the rest of your life, but may as well make it an enjoyable period of time when you're there by really knowing your domain area of expertise. Lastly for outbound marketers is to, I'd say the last critical tip is to give first without expecting anything in return. And it's so, so hard to do this and change your mindset. But the one thing I say when I coach the SDRs is that the moment you stop selling, you start selling. People do not like to be pitched to or sold to, but everybody <laughs> loves to buy. So why don't you be that person, that guy or girl, or whoever you are that people think of when they are ready to buy. And you can do that by effectively giving value without expecting anything in return. Yeah, nobody wakes
0: up in the morning and says, "You know what? I think I'd like to a uh, sales pitch." Said nobody yes. ever. So, <laughs> so it's it is a bit of a mind shift, and I think from a, a even a marketing standpoint and talking about the SDRs, I think companies set themselves up to require their people to have to think a little bit harder because we onboard people, we have them drink the champagne company mm-hmm. A is amazing. We're awesome. We have a great culture. We have great people. And then we unleash them on the world, whether that be through outbound marketing, content creation, or SDR outreach. And we're mm-hmm. surprised when all they want to do is talk about us, us, us. And I, yeah. I think sometimes it might even go back to how you onboard people for the different roles. So they understand what impact they're having on the buyer's journey versus what role they're playing for the company. Does that seem fair?
1: A hundred percent. I, I was, I onboarded an SDR the other year and I, I said to her, your first month, I want you to sell nothing. (laughs) (laughs) And she was shocked. She she was like, what do you mean? What what have I just agreed to doing? Uh, She must've been thinking, having second thoughts. But um, what I asked her instead to do was to educate me on the, on the um, challenges and concerns that our buyer personas have. That's all she had to do for the first month. And by the end of that month, she presented that back uh, to me and she had um, dozens of, of things. A lot of them I was familiar with. Some even surprised me. And then we turned around and said, okay, so take everything that you've learned and ask the next prospects that you speak to if they're experiencing these issues and these challenges. And if they are and our solution can help them bridge from where they are today to where they need to be, then pursue the conversation and see if you can set up a further meeting. And that's exactly what she did. But again, I I was in a very unique position in the point that I could make the call and make the shots. I didn't have investor pressures to hit crazy targets. So I was in a very unique position, but it really, really worked. Awesome. And so
0: let's pivot a little bit and talk about speak on podcasts and help the audience understand what the company does and, and what your journey was to find yourself there.
1: Sure. Okay. So what the company does, so we are a podcast guest booking agency. So essentially what we do is we work with the execs from B2B tech brands and we help them secure interviews. So so we do that for them on podcasts where their ideal audiences are already listening to. So Chad, as as you've spent years on on this podcast, investing your time and effort and bringing on great guests, there's an audience that you've built up and, and you're very deliberate with who you invite onto your show. So it's a great opportunity for our customers to to speak on podcasts like this one, or ones where uh, their ideal audience are already listening to, because... The audience is already pre-built. And if you go on there and deliver value, share as much as you can, you're positioning yourself as a trusted advisor. And that's essentially what we're helping our companies and our customers do to help them build that brand awareness, that credibility and generate demand. We don't promise that it will generate sales. In fact, if you come to me on a sales school and say you want sales, I'll point you in another direction because I, <laughs> I, won't, I won't promise you something I can't deliver. So that's what Speak On Podcast does. How we got here, um, good story. Good, how how long have we got, Chad? Um, <laughs> the so I used to work in recruitment. Then I worked in so I worked in recruitment, sales, marketing, and then uh, as more entrepreneurial, running companies. And really, when I look at what we do at Speak On Podcasts, is it's a mixture of the matchmaking that you needed to do from a candidate to a job, so uh, somebody looking for a new role and for a role that you were hiring for, marketing to position somebody in the right way. And then sales is the outreach part to start those conversations with podcast hosts. And that's effectively what we do. I've just given the blueprint of how it works behind the scenes as we well. podcast. <laughs> but um, we, yeah, we matchmake essentially the podcast hosts and our customers. And where it came about was uh, in my previous role, I was um, running a company called Task Drive. I'd kind of... I found myself with some spare time, so I started to uh, reach out to podcast hosts, so to pitch myself effectively to go and speak on podcasts about lead sourcing, which was the uh, uh, the service that that I was uh, selling at the time, and I, I noticed with relative ease that I was able to secure a number of interviews for myself and I thought, okay, well that was that was easy. Let let me let me see if I can <laughs> let me see if I can do it else, elsewhere for other people. So I spoke to my co founders of the company I was working for and I managed to place them on a couple of interviews as well. And what I realized, Chad, that this was eleven years in the making and practice and refining my skills and and craft from from that recruitment, from that marketing, from that outbound sales, in order to to be able to deliver this on an ongoing own basis. So, back in June 2020, which was uh, a great time to, to start <laughs> a new business, um, we started speak on podcasts, and, and since then we've grown to almost 20 team members from South America to Europe to Southeast Asia, and um, yeah, it's been a, it's been a great ride. That's an amazing story. Thank you very much for for
0: sharing that with us. So, we ask all of our guests two standard questions towards the end of each interview, and that first is simply as a CEO that makes you a prospect or a target mm-hmm. uh and so i'm always curious to know when somebody doesn't have that trusted referral into you like hey you really should talk to this person there's a reason to it. when when you don't have that what works for you when somebody's trying to capture your attention and earn the right to time on your calendar
1: yeah. I mean, I could say what doesn't work, but we may not have time, Chad. So what works for me is somebody who, who's clearly done their, done their research beyond looking at my job title and the company that I work at at the moment, according to LinkedIn. It's somebody that is asking a question that makes me think, and they're highlighting a potential issue that I might be facing. And they're asking, is that something that's hurting you right now? That's how you get the attention for, for me from me. I love it.
0: And so, okay, last question. We call it our acceleration insight. If there's one thing you could tell sales, marketing, or professional services people, one piece of advice you could give them that if they listen to, you believe would help them hit or exceed their
1: targets, what would it be and why? Okay. So it'd be to just know your customers. And once you know your customers, don't try and sell to them, help them. So that would be my my advice and why why is that important? Well, fundamentally, you need to understand that it's people that you are looking to persuade to to market to 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 change their perspective of of the way that they're doing things. So you really need to understand the actual individuals that are making those decisions. And because they are humans, they're making decisions based on emotion, not logic. They back it up with logic as well. (laughs) Um, And uh, and Chad, I'm I'm sure that the stat at the moment is 75% of B2B purchasing decisions are made to avoid a pain or a loss. That's because we're human. We don't want to be in pain. We don't want to lose anything. So, really remembering that. And then, so knowing your customer and then moving on to the point of just helping them, help them avoid that pain, help them avoid that loss. And when they see you as that trusted advisor and they need the help to avoid the pain, they'll come to you. I love it. I love it.
0: Well, Mark, if somebody's interested in talking more about these topics or, or learning more about Speak on Podcast, where would you like us to send them?
1: Sure. So um, I'd love to have any conversations on LinkedIn. So you can find me at Mark Colgan on LinkedIn, or if you'd like to find out more about Speak On Podcasts, you can find us at speakonpodcasts.com. All right,
0: Mark, I can't thank you enough for taking time. It's been an amazing experience to have you
1: on the show. Cheers, Chad. Thank you so much.
0: All right, everybody that does it for the episode, b2brevexec.com, share with friends, family, and coworkers. If you like what you hear, leave us a review. Until next time, we at Value Selling Associates wish you all nothing but the greatest success